I'm your host, Mas Chowdhury, and welcome to the Untick the Box podcast. This is a show that aims to shine a light on underrepresented voices across industries and offer honest career advice to those wishing to join them. Before I introduce our next guest, please don't forget to subscribe. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. I am so excited to introduce Deepa Shah to the show today. Deepa is a multi-award winning Chief Financial Officer. She is a senior leader with 20 years of experience working for fast growth global businesses within marketing services, creative communications and technology. Back in 2018 during her time at Omnicon as CFO, she was part of OmniWomen. This is a network aimed to build more female leaders within its agencies. She then went on to win CFO of the Year at the Women in Finance Awards. This recognised her contribution to Hall & Partners, which is a leading brand and communications research agency. Beyond the technical excellence, Deepa is open, she's curious and empathetic. Her ability to debate key human issues and her perseverance to drive lasting change to make positive differences in people's lives demonstrates a much deeper commitment to the social change agenda. So thank you so much for joining us today, Deepa. It's great to have you on the podcast. Um, to start off um, on a bit of back, about your background, um, I feel like childhood has a huge impact on sort of who we become as adults. Could you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and your school or university life and how that's sort of shaped you? Sure. Firstly, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Maz. It's really, really nice to be here. Um, so have I been shaped through my childhood? Well, you know, I guess I come from a very working class family. Both my parents emigrated from Kenya uh, when they were teenagers, met in London, got married. Um, and, you know, they came from Kenya with with literally nothing. Um, so I've seen them work really, really hard to get to where they've got to. Um, you know, my dad's been really, really successful with his career. Um And I think just seeing them and how they've worked has really inspired me. So I grew up in South London um, and I went to school in South London and um, it was a state school um, in my primary school. Then I went off to a place called Old Palace, which was a private girls school. And I remember when I joined Old Palace, it was me and another girl who I still keep in touch with. We were the only two Asian girls there, which was quite interesting at the time, you know, um, is going back to the late 80s and the mm. sort of early 90s and you know I I don't ever remember thinking at the time when I was growing up oh I'm the only sort of one of the only Asian girls in this school I, I like the color of my skin none of that's ever actually mm-hmm. affected me in the environments that I've been in because I haven't really focused on it I think I've focused on me myself what what I can do as an individual so I think you know that was that was a really good thing for me to go to that school. And obviously as I was leaving, it became a lot more diverse from, you know, there were other, other girls joining from different, different backgrounds, um, different races, different ethnicities. Um, But yes. Sorry sorry to interrupt. Do you think that, you know, not sort of realizing or facing the fact that you were one of the only South Asian women, do you think that is sort of a product of, your environment and sort of not even being you know how people sort of say that they don't see color I mean I can empathize in the fact that you know I was born in Surrey and 
um, raised in Cambridge, which is obviously a predominantly white area. And, you know, I'd say the same, you know, I never really saw my race. But now thinking back, I'm thinking, was that an issue in itself that I didn't really see myself as different? Like, yeah. No, I, I, you know, I understand what you're saying. I think, I think, you know, throughout my younger years and throughout my career, I haven't seen myself as anything other than what I can bring to the table and how good I am at what I do it's not about what I look like and it never should be you know I know there's lots of I know we're jumping jumping around a bit but you know now there's a lot of events that I just don't go to anymore that are specifically female focused and women only because I think I should be there on my own merit as who I am and what I do not because I'm a woman yeah and I think that goes back to the whole you know growing up in a in a, through, through a school where I was, you know, one of the only Asian women or girls there at the time. Um, and it didn't, for me, I haven't grown up in a household where the focus has been around the fact that I'm Asian or I have brown mm-hmm. skin. That's never really, it's never been a focus. It's all about, you know, hard work and achieving some great things and doing your absolute best. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, you know, yes, it, it's an issue because for me, Actually, for me, I really, it really opened up my eyes when I won my first award, which was the Asian Women of Achievement Awards. Yeah. And I hadn't realised how few people there were of colour, you know, from black, Asian, ethnic backgrounds in our industry. Mm. And it was that award that made me go, oh, we have a bit of a problem here. (laughs) So... I, and I think that's where I just haven't really reflected on on what I look like. I, I always feel that I'm sort of going through my life just being me without mm. a, a focus on, you know, anything else. But I, it has opened my eyes to the fact that we have got a, a problem across the industry um, yeah. around that and around the lack, the lack of representation. And it's, you know, how do we get more people, you know, who are Asian, who are brown, who are black? into into the industry and stay in the industry and I think that's that's the tricky part you know we can do what we can to get them in but how do we get them to stay yeah that um, is the part yeah yeah the, the so, aspect exactly so yeah going back to your question on you know have has my younger life influenced what I do well I think it's you know that whole growing up uh with my parents who work relentlessly um mm for my sisters and I but also my grandmother as well who was completely fearless so I think she's given me a lot of that uh, you know I am I, I would say I'm quite fearless um there's obviously things that scare me all the time I mean you know that's life but I'm not afraid in terms of confidence and things that I was a few years ago you know when I first started my career mm-hmm. I was so quiet I was really reserved I wouldn't really speak up um and it's taken a long time to get to where I am but I think that comes over time it comes with yeah. confidence building confidence and actually surrounding yourself with people who are going to champion you and support you and help you um so yeah so no it's been it's been interesting but I think you know the start of the journey really for me was when I was at school you know being one of the two Asian girls at the time mm. at that school um and then not really thinking about it until I I went on to to win the Asian Women of Achievement Award mm. when I realized you know, looking around the industry, well, actually, how many others are there around here that look like me? Yeah. And there really wasn't that many, yeah. in honesty. Yeah. And I mean, that 
sort of nicely leads me on to my next question about how did you get involved with the financial industry and have you always known that you wanted to do what you're doing because as you said you know looking to the future as a child not seeing people that look like you in the industry I mean that can be a deterrent sometimes so yeah how did you get involved? Well I fell into it um I was at university (laughs) and I wanted to go off and become an investment banker and I didn't make my grades to get into the city so I was like right I just need a job Uh, so I went to the recruitment companies that I knew of that specialize in finance because I really I knew I enjoyed finance having done lots of work experience in it Um, and that's when I got my first sort of junior office role um, at Hall and Partners Um, and I thought right I'm just going to take this for a few months and see how I go and then figure out what I want to do next because I don't know if this is what I want to do Um, I ended up staying there for 19 years um, and I left as the EMEA and APAC CFO. We sold the company onto Omnicom. Um, So, yeah, I had only been planning to stay there for six months, not, you know, having literally fallen into the industry, um, thinking that, oh, actually, I want to go into investment banking. I'm glad that I didn't because a lot of my friends that did at the time were quite hurt by some of the financial crashes that have happened. Mm Um, And so for me, I look back and I think I've had a really good career. I've had so much fun Mm. um, and I'm really glad that I did fall into it. And so these things don't, I think that everything that's meant to be for you happens. You know, you can't predict it. You never know what what it's going to be. But I think everything happens for you as it it should. So, um, so yeah, so (laughs) I ended up staying in the industry. I haven't worked in any business outside of the industry I've always been in the sector Um, and I I don't I don't think I want to work anywhere outside it I just I have such a fun time I have such a good time working you know doing the things that I'm doing across the sector and it's such a good place to work Um, it's such a good sector to work in I think. Um, Would you say that you know obviously those are great positives but are there any challenges within your industry that you'd combat or would like to see work done to combat yeah I mean I personally don't feel I get asked this question a lot like what Mm -hmm. barriers have you faced what challenges have you faced and do you know what I don't I look back and I think I've had a really good supportive team around me all the time that's always challenged me and pushed me to do really well Mm. um and you know I've made it to the c-suite um and I think for me, I've been very fortunate in in who I've chosen to work with as well. And I, as I've got older, I've realized the people that you surround yourself, the businesses that you choose to work for can make or break you, put yeah. it that way. So I think just being considered about, about that, you know, is the advice that I'd give anybody. Mm-hmm. I think always go and try things out because you might love it, you might hate it, you know. But I think the most important thing is surrounding yourself by people that are really going to champion you and want to help you succeed. So I, I think there is that. There's obviously a lot of agencies and you know across the sector that still have a lot of work to do in terms of um, representation, diversity, all of those sorts of things. But I, I strongly believe it starts at the top. And yeah. there's still so many businesses that just aren't really making changes at the top. And if it doesn't happen at the top, how do they expect it to filter down? You know, how are you going to make the changes anywhere else? So, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the older agencies have a lot more work to do than some of the new ones that are up and coming, um, Mm -hmm. who are embracing it a lot more, who can see the benefits of real diversity across their businesses. And and I do know that the ones that haven't changed are the ones that are struggling as well 
um, you know, in terms of staff retention, financials, all those sorts of things. So having diversity across businesses is is a positive. And um, uh, yeah, I think I think more needs to be done at the top around that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it sounds like you've been really lucky in the sense that, you, you know, you haven't necessarily faced too much negativity within your own industry but has there been a mentor or someone that you've looked up to that's particularly had an impact on your career and I mean your life yeah I've had a few mentors and I still actually have them um and I think they make a big difference because they are your real champions but they'll also challenge you so for me it's always having good guidance and you know if I'm stuck on things I've got somebody that I can pick up the phone to mm-hmm. um but it's having people believe in you and I think that's really important people believing in you on the days that you don't but you know you don't believe in yourself enough and they're like no you can do it come on you can keep keep go keep going so I know when I you know when I set up my fractional CFO consultancy um what two just over two years ago now two and a half years ago um it was the biggest it was the biggest thing that I'd ever done for myself where I was like, oh my God, this is the biggest risk I'm ever <laughs> taking. And it could fail or it could succeed. I've wow. got no idea. And I remember the first couple of months really wanting to give up because I was like, oh my God, this is just a nightmare. You know, we're in the middle of COVID. I've decided to do this at the wrong time. And I had good people around me just pushing me to keep going. They're like, no, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And I'm glad that I didn't falter and give up because it was one of the best things that I ever did. It's been so much fun and it's been really good. And so I think I just needed that encouragement when I was having the five minutes meltdown of going, oh, my God, what have I done sort of thing. Mm. So having mentors is is really, really important. I mentor myself. I mentor, you know, I've I've mentored people from um, all ages, different stages of their career um because I know how beneficial it's been for me so so I try and do that with with others that are coming up sort of through their career ladder as well it's interesting to hear actually I mean do you believe that you can never get to a a place in your career where you don't need a mentor I've I've, from what it sounds like it sounds like you know wherever you get to a, a mentor is always there as you said to put things into perspective and I don't know if you suffer for, from imposter syndrome, but I know it's a, a a big problem for people of colour, especially not feeling like they belong, particularly in the UK, and that they they're deserving of what they've achieved. Um, and mentors can really help put everything in perspe- into perspective. So yeah, it's yeah. of of all levels, you kind of always need a mentor. I think so. I mean, you're never going to know everything, right? And if you want to grow and you want to challenge yourself and you want to be the best at your game, you're going to need to learn from people. And it's people with different experiences. So for me, I don't just have one type of mentor. I, I go to different people for different things. Um, and it goes back to that whole diversity of experience mm. as well. So for me, it's like I imagine myself, you know, I've still got a, a long way to go that I'm always going to have people that, you know, are going to mentor me and that I'm going to need to reach out to. Um, because like I said, you can't learn everything. And I think, you know, on the imposter syndrome, I don't know if I believe in imposter syndrome. I think it's just lack of confidence. Okay. Um, you know, I think imposter syndrome gets thrown around quite a lot, particularly for people that are not white, for particularly for women, all those things. And I'm like, it's not it's not imposter syndrome. Um, it's actually just a lack of confidence and you just need people to believe in you mm-hmm. and say, do you know what, you can do this. 
Um, and that's what I've had. I've been quite lucky on the days where I feel, oh God, like, what am I doing? I'm not gonna be able to do that. Why am I there? I've had the people literally lifting me up and going, right, this is why you're doing what you're doing. This is why you're there. I remember when I won my first award, I literally didn't understand why. And I had to email the judges and say, can you just explain to me why I've won this award? Because I don't understand it. Against like the other people that were in the group, I was just like, oh my God, how I don't understand it. And, you know, it, it does, I, I think, I think that was through the lack of confidence of just saying, do you know what? I am really good at what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know everything. I never claim to know everything, but I will always do my best. And, and I'm here for a reason, just why, you know, exactly the same reason that everybody else is. So um, it, and I think that goes back to confidence and just having that self-belief and confidence. And that's, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier on, but it's mm-hmm. been something that has taken me a long time to to do and get to and it's something that I work on every single day yeah I think it's definitely not a quick fix um and I agree actually with the attaching the term imposter syndrome to something like that can make it feel like you know something's very wrong when everyone you know experiences insecurities um in life and throughout their careers so it's just about how how you manage that on the way um and I guess, um, you know, what advice would you give to someone that's just starting out in the financial industry? And is there anything that you wish you'd known as as you were coming in? I think that, you know, it's a really fun place. It's not like for me, I can go and work in financial services, for example, because I know that's not the environment for me. Um, I think you get a lot of freedom across the sector. If you come and work in like finance, HR, those functions I think there is so much flexibility so much fun to be had and I hadn't known that before I joined and that which is why I went into sort of the Hall and Partners job when I was 21 going oh I'm only going to stay for six months but having been a part of that and knowing that there's a whole world of finance outside of the typical financial roles that you think of as you're growing up I mean, that's, I wish somebody had told me that before, you know, as I was growing up, because there honestly is such a big opportunity out there. I think one of the struggles that um, the industry is currently facing is that a lot of good finance people are moving over to the tech companies, you know, fintech, ad tech, all those, all those companies. So I think a challenge that the uh, sector has at the moment is how to, how to retain and how to attract the talent. Um, and we've just got to get a lot more competitive around it um, and less traditional in how we have operated so far. But that obviously requires a hell of a lot more thinking, getting back to the drawing board. What can we do differently to mm-hmm. to start making ourselves more attractive? And I think that's a it's a bigger conversation because I don't think it's just finance that are affected by it. I think there's all all parts of the sector that are being affected by it um, at the moment. So, see, so yeah, it's something that I've started to think about recently. Um, just seeing the exodus of good finance people to other industries at the moment um, is is quite an interesting time to be, and it's quite challenging. Could you think of any sort of particular career highlights or proudest moments that make you think, just like, yeah, this is this is my industry. This is what I've worked for. Yeah, I think I think for me, one of my proudest moments uh, was literally taking that jump, coming out of the holding groups and working as a consultant CFO, 
And when I chose to do that, I decided that I only wanted to stay in the sector and work for independent agencies in the sector um, across the industry. And for me, having made a real success of that is a big deal for me because I didn't know what I was going into. I was could either have got work, I could not. Most people only knew me at the time as a holding group CFO. Um, so I think that has to be one of my proudest moments, being able to say that, you know, what, I've been out there, I've done it. I've really enjoyed it. And just that just meeting so many new people that I just wouldn't have done otherwise. So I think for me that that has to be one of my proudest moments for myself, because mm. I feel I've grown so much in the last couple of years um, from what I knew and what I know now. Um, it's been really, yeah, it's been really fun. Oh, brilliant. Um, you've touched on this a little bit as well, but what do you think that the industry can do to actually encourage more diversity? Because, you know, it's a very much a, a top down initiative that's required. Um, and I think often as well, people ignore the sort of socioeconomic factors, um, particularly in industries where, you know, there's, there's just, you know, rich white men at the top where, you know, you don't see people like you and you think that you maybe can't do that. So, you know, what do you think would be able to encourage more diversity? I think that's a really hard question because we, we can, you know, I can sit here and say, start changing your board, right? Make it, make it more diverse, start mm-hmm. changing your leadership teams. But most of the time, the agencies don't change. Like you saw the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. You know, all these agencies signed up to a pledge. Nothing happened. Nothing. So there's a lot of talk amongst the agencies, but no action. And if you look at the stats around the representation, if we just take, you know, race and ethnicity, for example, the stats are going backwards, right? And they weren't great to start off with in the first place. So I do believe until things start changing at the top and people start leaving up at the top levels and more pe- new people start coming up, nothing's really going to change. And I know that sounds really negative, Nora, but I've not seen anything change in the industry for years. And I've been pushing for it, been trying to do it. But a lot of the people that have are still in the industry have been brought up through the 80s, 90s, um, and are still very traditional in how they work. And I, I do think that until there's a new injection of that top layer, not much is going to change, I'm afraid. Um, and, you know, that that speaks for itself in, in the actual facts and the stats around mm-hmm. it. Um, it's not for me to tell companies how to be more diverse or be more inclusive. You know, if they wanted to be, they could be. It's not difficult yeah. to do. It's really not difficult to do. Yeah. Um, so for whatever reason, you know, they, they don't seem to want to change. Um, and for them as well, it must be you know it's a a case of accountability of you know holding your hands up and saying yeah you know we could have done something like you said but but we haven't and it's Mm. saying that takes a lot of vulnerability and accountability that unfortunately a lot of people just don't seem to want to take well it's a lot easier not to do it isn't it exactly yeah it's a lot easier that doesn't really affect you as well exactly unless it directly affects you it doesn't really matter you just brush it on the carpet and go oh, do you know what yeah whatever mm-hmm. people are talking about it and you know the other thing is just to make sure that 
it's not being used as a checkbox exercise, which a lot of businesses do do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it so annoying because I'm like, it's going to, you're going to tick that box for about five minutes and you, then you're going to go back to square one again because you're not going to be able to nurture that person coming in, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. or, the, or whoever it is. So I do think that the change starts from the top. And if the top teams, the leadership teams, the boards are not prepared to make changes from the top, it's going to be very hard to to make changes further further down um but again it comes back to your point around you know be accountability and taking responsibility for your businesses and like I said I do know businesses that haven't been um you know adapting and changing their cultures and things around the whole diversity space are the ones suffering Mm -hmm. um they really are I actually know businesses yeah I know businesses you know a, a, a business that I know well has recruited all white people in the top top tier because a bunch of people left and they just decided to go ahead and recruit more white people I'm like that's great but your business is tanking (laughs) um so it's it's uh yeah it's it's not for you know I could sit here and say they should do this they should do this they should do this but unless they're actually going to do it I feel like I'm sitting here just talking to a brick ball half the time And while people listen to me talk about it on podcasts, I'm very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. There's not much more I can do apart from keep talking about it and yeah. hopefully and- get others to keep speaking about it. And But ultimately, the, the change, the driver of the change comes from the core of those businesses. It doesn't come from me, for example, because I'm not in those businesses. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard. Um, As a collective, I mean, like you said, if if we in different industries just keep putting pressure I mean you would like to think that maybe these people would think hey you know well we should really do something about this otherwise we're going to be left behind or we are being left behind Mm. um yeah no I agree I I do think you know it's just it's about the top and I think change needs to come at the top and I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people once they start leaving the industry from retirement all those sorts of things we might start seeing something but it's going to take a long time it's going to take a long time but that doesn't mean we should stop like I'm certainly not going to stop talking about it I'm certainly not going to stop doing whatever I can to help completely um but it requires you know lots and lots and lots and lots of people to do it Mm -hmm. um and there just aren't lots and lots and lots of people doing it unfortunately yeah absolutely and it's it's you know very disheartening from obviously all the pledges that were made off the back mm. of um the black lives matter process in 2020 that you know just nothing has been done like you said and it, it makes you think you know what more what is it going to take yeah exactly yeah. exactly but hopefully you know it's just about progress whether it's small steps or not mm-hmm. and I think whichever business you touch or you're a part of it's just working with them to, you know, bring it to life and start driving that change. You know, we're all responsible for it. So for me, if exactly. I'm in, if I, you know, whichever business I'm in, I'll always be championing and helping drive that change and, you know, teaching um, people why, you know, why it's important for for your business. So, yes, I'm, I'm going to keep doing that, but <laughs> it might yeah. take me a long time by myself. <laughs> but there's other, there's some other great people in the industry doing some fantastic things as well. But, you know, there needs to be more. There's more can always be done, right? Um, yeah, always. Yeah. Um, so what do you think 
could make the biggest difference for you know women 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 of color sorry um in the industry or people from south asian backgrounds um so i don't think i don't think we should i don't want to see myself as just a woman of color i want to see myself i always see myself as somebody who's there because i'm good at what i do right And I think that's with anybody, whether you're a woman or a man, mm-hmm. you know, if you're from a non-white background coming into the industry, you're there for a reason. You're going to be really great at what you do. Surround yourself with some people that are going to support you and champion you mm-hmm. and figure out what you like and what you don't like. And, you know, what can what can you do to get people on board to help help your progression? Do you know, um, but I, I, I don't think that's just a, I know there's a lack of representation, but I think it's a it's something for everybody really right it's not just you can't feel bad because of the color of your skin you know you you're always at the table because you bring something to the table and not otherwise so I think it's just it goes back to that confidence thing that we spoke about earlier be confident Mm -hmm. in yourself Mm -hmm. and definitely make sure you have some good champions around you um, that are going to really help you and get yourself a mentor if you don't have a mentor because mentors are so like literally they've changed my life they've helped me to get to where I am yeah. and I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing now without the guidance of some of those people so I think mentoring is a really powerful thing um, so if you can find your yourself a good mentor I would 100% recommend it yeah I mean I have I have several I don't even have just one like I said I go to different people for different things so I think yeah and and don't be afraid of the industry just because you know I don't see a lot of people that look like me at c-suite level it's very rare but mm-hmm. don't be afraid don't be afraid because you're not seeing what you would like to see but if more people from different backgrounds come in that's when we're going to start seeing the change. And, yeah. you know, we, we can start driving that at, you know, our generations can start driving that because the generations much older than us, they, they were too late. Mm-hmm. So I think it just needs more people that are fearless to, to come and join and, and help us. Um, yeah. I think, I think you're right in that sense, actually, you know, I've never really thought about it in the sense that I, I mean, I work in PR and there's, a handful of um south asian women that work in pr so you know for me that was very terrifying but actually framing it in the way that you have is really useful and that you know actually i'm paving the way for someone else that maybe is yeah. lacking a little bit of that confidence to go out there and and do it so yeah just like you said everyone brings something to the table and even if that's scary then you know all the more reason to do it really <laughs> yeah exactly um, so um, obviously that was all quite hard hitting, but um, onto the more lighthearted stuff. If your friends were to give you an award, obviously you've won so many already, but what would that be for? Um, I think it would be for being one of the most organised people. <laughs> when it comes to social stuff, I'm super organised, so they know that they can just rely on me to get stuff done. Um, so I think if my friends were giving me an award, it would be for being the most organised, I guess. I love um, yeah because a lot of my friends are very disorganized yeah so, everyone yeah. <laughs> in the friendship group needs needs someone like that don't they yeah collaborative planners <laughs> yeah exactly 
Um, and I guess to to finish, what would you like your legacy to be? Um, oh, I don't know if this is a legacy, but I, I think for me, it's just about having a positive impact on people mm-hmm. um, and just being able to add value wherever I go, whatever I do and whoever I do it with. I think having the impact is really important in a positive way that, you know, um, we were talking about mentoring. So if I mentor people, I want them to have a really good um a good time doing it, learning from me, but also getting them to to a place where they think that, you know, they really can take on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can. Like, <laughs> the only person stopping you is yourself. So I think just having a good good impact on people, having making sure that anyone who I work with or anyone who I mentor or, you know, come into contact with has a really good experience when they leave me. And I think for me, that's, I think that's the most important thing. And if I can change one or two lives in terms of helping people with their careers that and I'll be very very happy you know getting them to a really good place just like my mentors have done for me so yeah I guess I don't know if that's a legacy or not yeah, but, definitely, um... definitely. my legacy you know it sounds like something big and tremendous but you know small steps to to big changes I guess yeah exactly exactly well that's a lovely way to end um thank you so much for your time today it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and um is there anything else that you'd like to share before we say goodbye I don't think so I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me it's been really fun talking to you honestly it's been a pleasure it's been so lovely um I feel like I've been mentored myself (laughs) um Uh, we will share your social links in the bio so if you'd like to be in the loop with all that Deepa gets up to then please follow her thanks so much thank you that's the end of this episode if you've listened all the way through thank you we hope you enjoyed it and you found something useful that you can take with you in your personal or your career journey We appreciate any feedback or thoughts that you might have. So if you want to get in touch, please email us on untickthebox at milkandhoneypr.com or you can reach out via any of Milk and Honey's social media channels. See you next time on Untick the Box.